The following is a presentation of Highlands Church, helping de-churched people become more fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us at highlandsadventure.org. Well, good morning. My name is uh, Katie Griffin, and I'm the pastor of Family and Missions and Children's Ministry here at Highlands Church. And once again, it is an honor to be here speaking to each of you this morning. So as you heard from Dan, today we're going to take a look at a subject that I believe is essential to our personal faith. We're going to look at forgiveness and how we should forgive and why we should forgive. Now, I have to tell you, when I was praying about what I should talk to you guys about this today, you guys and gals, <laughs> what I wanted to talk to you about today, I was left with two words, forgiveness and trust. Then I talked to myself, and I said, oh, well, um, both are good, but forgiveness, that one could be a little hard, and it brings up so many emotions, so I'm going to be safe, and I'm going to go with trust, okay? And then the more I moved forward, the more I felt like God was saying to me, it's not a choice, Katie. How many of you guys ever just like, yeah, okay, God, yeah, I got it, you know? <laughs> and so God was saying, no, 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 it's not a choice. And so when I went on to my studying on this, I found that forgiveness and trust, well, they kind of go together. Forgiveness is an action that we must do as we are commanded by God to. And we can do it if we trust God. So are you ready? I feel like today I should have wore up one of those Nike t-shirts that have the big swoosh on the front that just say, just do it underneath. And then I would add like a little hyphen that says, forgive. <laughs> so I couldn't get Nike to do it for me. So I can, <laughs> yeah, anyways, so here we go. So let me start with this question. Have you ever been wronged or hurt by someone? If you have, you know, and I know, that it's very easy to stay angry and bitter towards that person. However, God does not want us to stay in that place. Though the hurt and the pain may seem overwhelming, we must forgive. Those acts that were committed against you, I want you to understand this. I'm not downplaying it. They are very real. And I want you to know that your feelings towards the offender are valid. However, God does not want you to stay a victim. He wants you to become a victor. Forgiveness is an act of the will. We must stand firm in our decision to forgive. By forgiving, it says, I trust you, God, to handle the situation. You see, forgiveness is for our benefit. The other person or persons may never change. That is between them and God. We trust God to work good things out of whatever unjust thing that has happened. Remember this. Our part as followers of Jesus Christ is to obey God and forgive. His part, God's part, is to restore and bring vindication. 
Now, I heard this story, and I thought, this is such a heavy subject. I'm like, i got to throw in a story here because it's so funny. And it made me laugh because it kind of tells me of this human response to justice when we have been wronged, what it might sort of look like. Um, It happened late one summer evening in Broken Bow, Nebraska. I just love that city and state. Okay. A weary truck driver pulled his big rig into an all-night truck stop. And the waitress had just served him with three, and, and so he sat down, and he's eating, and these three tough leather Hell's Angel type um, fellows decided, uh, came into the truck stop. And then they found this just truck driver sitting there all by himself, eating his hamburger and his french fry, and they decided to give him a bad time. So they walked over to his table, and he bega- they began to verbally abuse him. One actually grabbed his hamburger and took a bite out of it. The other one knocked his french fries off the table. The other one started drinking his coffee. So how would you respond? Well, this truck driver, he did not respond in the way that one might expect. Instead, he calmly rose from his seat. He picked up his check. He walked towards the cash register. He laid his money next to the cash register, and he went out the door. Now, the waitress who had been waiting on him, she was watching this whole thing go down. And so she, was, she watched him go, and then she, she headed over to her cash register. She put the money in the till, and she watched the truck driver drive away. And he drove away right into the night. And then those guys, she went over to go to wait on her tables, and those three men that had been giving that guy such a bad time, they said to her, hey, well, he's not such a man, is he? And she looked at them, and she said, well, I don't know about that, but he sure ain't much of a truck driver. He just ran over three motorcycles on his way out of the parking lot. <laughs> That's so funny. I appreciate the way this trucker was calm, and he walked out, and, you know, and he could have got his truck and prayed, but he was like, I'm just not feeling really skilled at driving today. <laughs> so, anyways, and maybe his forgiveness needs a little refining. So today we're going to take a look at forgiveness from uh, the book of Matthew. And so if you like, you can turn with me to Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 through 35, and we're going to take a look at Peter. And how Peter asked Jesus about forgiveness. And if you don't have a Bible, make sure you see one of us on, our, on your way out. We'd love to give you a Bible here today. It goes like this. Then B- Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? And Peter doesn't even give Jesus a second to respond. He goes, ah, up to seven? <laughs> so I love how Peter, he gives, he doesn't even give him one second to even think. He's like, I got you. I got you, Jesus. You don't need to answer seven times. But you see, at this point, Peter and the disciples had been hanging around each other a lot at this point. Anytime any of you guys hang around a group for a long period of time, and maybe, have you ever been that person to ask Jesus, hey, how many times do I really need to forgive, right, Lord? How about five? I'm good with five today. (laughs) Maybe it's a place of employment or a family situation. When we spend a lot of time with the same people, they can get on our nerves. And we begin to imagine they're purposely doing things to irritate us. In reality... They're just being themselves, and we simply have had too much of them. The disciples were normal people, each with different personalities. They had to learn to get along with each other just as we do, 
in our experiences with people. But I love how Peter states the question, how he says, uh, you know, well, how many times, Lord? How about seven? And you know, this is interesting because Peter, he knew the rabbi law well. And the rabbi law stated that you needed to forgive a person three times. So Peter was actually being quite generous here. (laughs) And he was like, seven, then I'm good, right? And like I said before, how many of you have done the same thing? I've done, I found myself doing that. I was like, I've counted now, Lord, it's 49. <laughs> you know? And so Jesus continues. Now he's able to answer Peter back, and he, sells, and he says this in verse 22. I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times, or 70 times seven. Now, some of you might say, okay, well, I'll add that all up, and I'll keep forgiving that person that keeps offending me, and then I'll be done. Well, interesting to note here is that this number is an infinite number. Basically, Jesus was saying here, you need to forgive always. Then Jesus continues, and he tells a parable. Now, I want you to remember this. A parable is not only a story, but it's a truth and a principle. So here it goes. It's in verse 23. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. And so since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. The servant fell on his knees and he began to beg him. And he said this, he said, be patient with me and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, and he canceled the entire debt, and he let him go. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who who owed him a hundred denarii. He grabbed him and began to choke him. And he said, this, pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me. And I will pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he had the man, he went off and he had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. And when the other servants who were all gathered around saw this, what had happened, they were greatly disturbed and distressed. And they went and they told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in and he said this, you wicked servant. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't have you had forgiveness, mercy on your fellow servant just as I had to you? In anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he had owed. And then Jesus replies this, This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. I know it's a kind of hard thing to hear, but it's so important. We need to forgive. The parable that Jesus told was rich in its teaching. One servant Jesus told of this was brought before the king. The servant owed 10,000 talents. If this is referring to the Greek talent, that total would be somewhere in the area of seven to eight million dollars that that servant owed. That same servant, pleased to give, be given a chance to pay back the debt and the master forgive him as a debt, 
That servant went out and saw a man, remember how the story went, and owed him about 100 denarii, which was a total of less than $20. Remember the verse went on? He grabbed him and began to choke him and yell, pay back what you owe me. That, my friends, is some serious anger and unforgiveness. He then had the man put into prison for that small debt, less than $20 that he owed. And then the king learned of this and was not very happy at all because he expected this. He expected that the servant should be willing to show mercy to someone else since he had been shown mercy. Remember, mercy means this, showing compassion or forgiveness towards someone within whom it is within one's power to punish. I tell you this, every single day you wake up, as you woke up this morning, God's mercies are new for you. Every day, he shows you mercy and you get up. And he expects us to, have that, to show that same mercy towards our feather, fellow brothers and sisters. So what right do we have to hold on to anger or rage or grudge since we have been shown forgiveness and mercy daily, each day as we wake up to Christ. This reminded me of this story about this little boy who had some anger issues. And, oh my goodness, I didn't even look at the picture last service. Uh, yeah, he had some anger issues. So his dad said, I'm going to give you a bag of nails. And the little boy's like, what's the bag of nails for? His dad's like, follow me. So the little boy followed his dad down to the end of their property, and there was a fence there. And he said, every single time you lose your temper, you become angry or bitter towards your brothers or sisters or your friends or whatever it is, I want you to nail a nail into the fence. And he's like, easy enough, I'll do it. So he takes the hammer from his dad, and he takes the nail, and the next day comes, and Guess how many nails he nailed in the fence the first day? 37 nails. (laughs) 37 nails. And so he, but but gradually as time went on, the numbers dwindled down. And he discovered it was easier to hold his temper and not be angry and combative than to drive those nails into the fence. And finally, the first day came when the boy didn't lose his temper at all. And he was so excited, he ran and got his father. And he said, Dad, look, 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 look. I I didn't have to put a nail in today. I did good. I'm learning. It's working. And his dad said, okay, good. Now is what I want you to do. And he puts the hammer back in his hand. And he said, you see the other part of the hammer here? And the boy said, yes. And he's like, for every day that you hold your anger, I want you to pull out one one of these nails in this fence. So he did. So the days passed, and the young boy was finally able to tell his father that all the nails were gone. The father took his son by the hand and led him to the fence, and he said, you've done well, my son. But now, what's left? And the boy's like, I don't know. And he goes, look closely. You see all the holes in the fence? And the boy said, yes. And the father said, the fence will never be the same. When you say things in anger, they leave a scar just like this. And he began to point at each one of the holes. And this, and this, and that day that boy got it. So how do we forgive? 
I feel you the first thing that we must do to forgive is we must understand and recognize that we have been totally forgiven. That God, that Jesus Christ paid our debt on that cross for each and every one of us. And that is something that neither, no, nobody in this room, myself, none of us could ever pay back. And to this day, he forgives us each and every day. Consistently, like I said before, his mercies are new every morning. Therefore, as we heard it earlier in scripture in Matthew, he has forgiven our debt, so we really have no reason not to forgive others. So secondly, I th- what we need to do is we need to be able to release the offense. What is it that happened to us that we are holding on to this grudge or this bitterness or this anger? Now, I want to be clear here. I realize many of you have been hurt or offended bad. And to release that person almost seems unfair. But I'm telling you this. You must do it because God wants you to be free. That is the goal of forgiveness, is freedom in your life. See, when we allow ourselves to hold on to an offense, it keeps us from going forward in our relationship with Christ. You know what the Greek word for offense is? I looked it up. It's scandalon which is actually a piece of an animal trap where the bait was hung to lure the victim into the trap. And I was like, wow, that's pretty interesting. And I'm like, wonder what this has to do. And then the more I thought about it, you see, the devil, the enemy, Satan, he uses unforgiveness against people in the same way as in this trap. He uses it to divide families, separate relationships, weaken and destroy to hinder our relationship with God. Now, sometimes you might find that in order to release yourself from the offender, you're going to have to uh, verbally do something (laughs) in order to do this. I want to share with you an experience in my life, which I had to do in order, and I didn't know I had to do it. And so it goes something like this. Um, I was reading this book about 10 years ago, and I really can't remember what the name of the book is, but it was something to do with releasing bondage in your life. And um, I remember sitting there after I had read the book and, and it, uh, praying to God and asking God to show me anything that was in my life that was hindering my relationship with him. And I remember clearly God saying, you need to forgive your dad. And I'm like, what are you talking about, Lord? I'm fine. I don't, there's no problems with me and my dad. And I just kind of sat there for a while longer. And, and again, it was clear. It's like, you need to forgive your dad. And so as I began to think about it, I remembered things aren't really fine. My, see, my dad divorced my mom when I was seven years old. And I remember the entire evening to the sharpest detail of the slammed door. Through the years, I wanted him to be there, but he was not able to. You see, he had moved on. He had another family. He lived states away. He was busy. So I, too, remained busy because I thought that was the best way that I could deal with unforgiveness. Don't deal with it. 
Hide it. Put it underneath the mat. You know? Try not to think about it. However, God wanted me to be free that day. So I sat on the couch, and I know this sounds silly, but I believe that it's important because sometimes the offense that people have done to you is so painful that it would be hard for you to personally go to their face and say it. And so I think this is an okay way to get that, those shackles of unforgiveness off of you, basically by imagining the person, that's what I did that day with my dad. I imagined he was sitting across from me. And then I began to tell him all these feelings that I thought I didn't even know I had, but then once you start saying them, then all these feelings began to come out. And it was incredible. At that moment when I finished, I remember saying clearly, I forgive you, Dad. And when I said it, there was a sense of freedom that came over me. And at that moment, I can say I truly felt free. Not only free from the offense, but free to love my dad again. Not the kind of, love you, dad, talk to you later. It was like, I love you, dad. And it was, it's an incredible feeling. And you know why? Because then, as I was studying for this, and I heard God's word, and God's word said, you must release your offender, you must forgive, but where do you have to forgive from? Your heart. So at that moment, my heart was forgiven from that. And to this day, I, my dad doesn't understand <laughs> what it is, but I'm like, I love you, you know? And he's just like, okay, Katie. And so it's just, but it's God who released me from that. And then it's incredible. And also, I think that we need to accept people as they are. I think we hold people to high standards. I think we think that people must be exactly like I am. You know, I find myself guilty of that. I walk in the room, I'm like, well, I'm not getting along with that person. They're nothing like me. <laughs> you know? And I just, and then right away, God's like, what are you talking about? I made each and every one of you unique and different for a purpose, to bring me glory. I mean, it's so clear that if all we had to do here in this room today is have an ink pad and we'd all stick our thumbs on it and roll them and we'd all see that we have different fingerprints. God did not make us to be robots. He makes us each individual with a purpose. So don't hold people to be the same standard as you. The fourth thing is that we must depend on God. This is where the trust comes in. I love this part because it's so freeing for me because I am human and I'm going to fail every time. But God is all-knowing, all-powerful, all-omniscient. He's in control of our lives. He wants us to be free of all things that create any type of stronghold in your life. He wants you to be free. And that to me, is victorious. I love that. And also, God, don't forget this. He is a just God, meaning he knows exactly what happened to you, exactly what that offender did to you to cause that offense in your life. Nothing goes unnoticed. You need to trust him to work good things out of whatever unjust thing that has happened to you. And I'm going to say this again. I said it earlier, but I think it's important. Remember, your part is to obey God. 
You see, in the Bible, when God gives commands, and he's commanded us to forgive in the word of God, he always follows them up with a promise. And so the promise to you today is freedom. No strongholds, no traps, not giving the enemy a foothold in your life. And so when we obey God and his commandments and we forgive, he is a just God. He will restore those relationships and no one's getting away with anything. He will bring about vindication. So now that I've told you why we should forgive and how we should forgive and what that looks like, how do we know we've really forgiven? First, our negative feelings will disappear. We will not feel the same way when we run into these people at work or at the store or in your family gatherings or any, you know. Harsh feelings will actually be replaced by concern, care, and empathy. No longer will there be resentment or the need to get revenge. Secondly, we will find it much easier to accept the people who have hurt us without feeling the need to change them. We'll be, be willing, we will be willing to take them just the way they are. Once the blinders of resentment have been removed from our eyes, we will have a new appreciation for their situation and their motives. Have you heard this before where there's always two sides of the story? Yeah. Or, um, like I said earlier, don't expect everybody to be exactly like you. Or, I have been guilty of this. I've just held somebody and whatever, and they've done something to hurt me, and then, and then I hear their story. And I was, oh, Lord, forgive me for assuming that. Thirdly, we will be concerned about our offenders' needs, and they will outweigh our concern about what they did to us. Now, I'm going to be careful here, because I think some of the stuff that's been done to you in this room here today, things that I can't even comprehend. I'm not saying that those feelings aren't justifiable and they didn't hurt you and that is a real offense. But remember, Christ wants you to become a victor, no longer a victim. So instead of concentrating only on ourselves, we will now be able to see that people who have hurt us, they, that they too have some legitimate needs in their life that are probably not being met. And the best thing that we could do is love people. Holocaust survivor Corey Tinboom wrote this. Forgiveness is the key that unlocks the door of resentment and the handcuffs of hate. It is a power that breaks the chains of bitterness and shackles of selfishness. The most unselfish thing that we could possibly ever do is forgive. And why? Because we have been forgiven. And your mercies are new each morning. God forgives us more than anyone could ever possibly owe us. And we must be, learn to become more merciful and forgiving. We should never try to make anyone pay for what they've done to hurt us. This again is where trust comes in. We must trust that God is all-knowing. And that he will bring about vindication in our lives. Jesus pays our debts and has paid our debts. And freely forgives us. He expects us to do the same for others. And I'll tell you this, unforgiveness is like a boomerang. 
Jesus commands us to stop throwing the boomerang. Why? Not because he's the mean God and he's just like, well, I don't care what happened to you. You just need to do it. No, because he wants you to be free. Free to love and free to be loved. I believe the Holy Spirit will let you know who those are in your life that you need to forgive so that God will set you free. Because a free man and a free woman is evident to all. Because out of your life will flow abundant joy and compassion. Forgiveness is truly one of the most unselfish acts we can perform. And I believe here today and is my heart's desire that you will all be free from it. So let us pray. Father God, I stand before you today, and I, this subject is, is a difficult one, Lord. But you know everything about our lives. And you want us to no longer be held or bound. You want us to be free. Lord, I just pray that your spirit would just direct each and every person in this room. And that we would be able to receive it as we receive your mercies that are new each and every morning, undeserving, but you give them each day. How we love you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for paying our debts as we forgive our debtors. In Jesus' name, amen. This has been a presentation of Highlands Church, helping de-churched people become more fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us at highlandsadventure.org.